Hey, Mr. Jim, while you're standing up, would you come up here for a quick moment too? Everyone who has not met Jim, I encourage you, meet this guy. Bear hug him, come after him. But he just has a quick testimony that he wants to share with you what happened last week, Sunday. Just to point again to who our God is. Our God is good, and he is a healer. And so, Jim, just go ahead, take it away. Uh, well, I've been struggling the past couple of years with my feet. And uh, for some reason, they started going numb on me. And uh, I went to the, of course, doctors and such, and I've had this degenerating uh, nerve condition in my feet and got orthotics. And basically, the orthotics kind of caused more pain than than what they did good, but it did prevent the uh, numbness in my feet uh, from time to time until I took my shoes off. But uh, Joel has been praying lately over certain parts of our body during his uh, prayer time, and, and last Sunday, you were on the feet. On the feet. And uh, anyways, I just, uh, it just hit, struck me, claim it, and uh, I claimed the healing in my feet, and I got home and took my orthotics out, and... It's been fantastic. <laughs> yeah. That's so good. Thank so, you, Lord. Yeah. Man. But that night on the couch, my, uh, my feet were very, very warm. Mm. Like they were very, very warm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so the Lord, he's healed my feet. That's it. I can, get, I can get back to tap dancing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you so Thank much, you. Jim. So if you see, you know, Jim, you, you know why. Aren't you thinking, well, the Lord cares about your feet. I mean, even that little pinky toe. The whole thing. The whole thing. Man, oh man, awesome. Well, Father, we just come to you this morning again so grateful, so appreciative, Jesus, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lord, you've never changed. You're not about to change. And we're so thankful that we can rest and rely on who you are and what you've already accomplished for us. Father, we thank you for just even this little testimony we got here. Father, we thank you. There are many more that are yet to come in and through this church family, those that are watching online. Lord, we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise because, Jesus, you are interested in healing your children because your word tells us that healing is the children's bread. So we take that this morning. We receive that again, that healing belongs to us, not because of how good we are, but because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. We thank you for it. We believe we receive it today in Jesus name. Amen. What a good God, man. I love him. So those of you that, you know, you believe in God for healing. Well, stick with it. Don't, don't draw back off it. Don't go, I haven't seen nothing yet. No, no, no. We keep going on, keep pushing, keep believing, keep standing. And having done all to stand, what do you do? Stand. stand. Until what? Until you see it. Right? We see it on the inside, so it's visible on the outside. So this morning, let's get our Bibles out. We're going to continue going along the lines that we have been going into. And just talking about grace. Aren't you thankful for his grace? Man, there is so much to talk about. So we're going to just take our time. You know, I'm not meaning... We're not going to just try to jump forward and try to get ahead into further things. Listen, we're going to just get this because, you know, the Word of God tells us in Hebrews chapter 13 that it's good that the heart be established in grace. You know, a lot of times you see these scriptures, you know, in Psalm 112 even, and all throughout you actually find that it's good that our lives be rooted and grounded, our lives be fixed on the Word. And, you know, more specifically, so I've been like seeking the Lord, what exactly am I supposed to renew my mind to? What exactly am I supposed to be fixing my life onto? And really, we find out from the Word really clearly lays out to be established and fixed in His grace. Why is that? Because that is now the covenant that we are a part of, is the covenant of grace that God gave us through his son, Jesus Christ. So it's crucial that you and I not be rooted in the law, 
Thank God for it, but that's past. Now you and I are to be rooted in the grace of God and what's already been finished through his death and burial and resurrection. Now in Hebrews chapter 1, let's turn here again. And I just love these verses. It's good for us just to keep feasting our eyes on that, right? Keep looking at it, keep staring at it. And in the Amplified Bible, it says, in many, in se- many separate revelations, each of which set forth a portion of the truth And in different ways, God spoke of old to our forefathers in and by the prophets. But in the last days, he has spoken to us in the person of a son. I'm so thankful for that. Whom he appointed heir and lawful owner of all things. Also by and through whom he, Jesus, created the worlds and the reaches of space and the ages of time. He made, produced He built, he operated, and he arranged them in order. So again, what is this to say is that Jesus also is the one who created the ages or the dispensations of time. And now we are in the sixth dispensation. And before that, by the time this one's done, guess what? We out of here. The end of this dispensation that we are in or this age that we are in is the rapture or the catching away of the church. And anybody who's the church? All right. And the rest of you don't want to miss this. This is... This is it. This is kind of the big deal. I mean, I, well, come on, come on, come on, come on. We, this is us. So this is the glory that we're looking forward to. But that's going to be the end of this dispensation. Now, again, for us, before that time comes, we have got to learn which dispensation we are in so that we can operate in, in it properly and so that we're not frustrated in our Christian life. It's crazy. It's kind of an oxymoron that a Christian lives frustrated. It makes no sense. And part or a reason why Christians may be frustrated is because they're operating in an old software or they're operating by an old covenant that is out of date. And in fact, the Lord actually put it on a shelf. And then the message Bible says it's there collecting dust. So if you're trying to partake of an old covenant, it'll be frustrating for you because God's not there anymore. You're still trying to operate according to an old law when in fact the new has come and we're supposed to be operating by that. And so that's why the word of God tells us it's good that our heart be established in this grace or in this new covenant that Jesus purchased and came about bringing forward. Now, if you look here in 1 Peter chapter 1, but now the prophets long ago, they also longed and desired this. Now we know this, so in this new covenant that we're in, Jesus is the focus of our lives. Everything he says, everything he did, our eyes, our hearts, our minds, everything about us is to constantly look to him. Correct? You can even see that in the Mount of Transfiguration. I'm not going to read that for time's sake, but you can read that for yourself. Mark chapter 9, I believe Luke 9 as well. But all of a sudden, who appeared? You know, Jesus took James, Peter, and John with him. And who appeared while he was on the mountain? You had Moses who represents the law and you had Elijah who represents the prophets and there was Jesus. And so Peter, not knowing what else to say, said, Lord, this is amazing for us. Uh, Should we build a tent for all you guys just to kind of dwell in? And then right after that, a cloud came above and from the cloud, God almighty spoke. The father himself spoke. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. It's as manly as I can get. (laughs) And what happened at that moment? Elijah and Moses had disappeared and only Jesus was forward. And now what's the purpose of all that? What was the father trying to implement? The law and the prophets Jesus came to fulfill. So now the focus of our entire existence needs to be on who he is, what he did, what he said for us. 
This is what we focus on. For the New Testament believer, our focus is Jesus. It's not on ourselves, it's him. It's not on what other people do, it's him. My measurement for standard and Christian walk is not you or some other great person, man or woman of God. It's always him. He's the standard now for my Christianity. Now, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, look at this. Talking about the prophets who prophesied of the, come on, of the grace, the divine blessing which was intended for you, they searched and they inquired earnestly about this salvation. They got excited about it. They sought to find out to whom or when this was to come, which the Spirit of Christ working within them was indicating when he uh, predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that should follow them. And the glories that should follow them. Say it. And the glories that should follow them. It was then disclosed to them that the services they were rendering were not meant for themselves and their period of time, but for who? But for you. Somebody say me. They saw all this and they went, wow, what is this? And the Spirit of God would say, you know what, this is not the time and it's not for you. You get glimpses of it, but it's going to be meant for you. It says, it is these very things which we, or which have now already been made plainly known to you by those who preach the good news or the gospel to you by the same Holy Spirit sent from heaven into these very things, the angels long to look for. You know what that tells me is that the church is the university for angels to learn and that you and I as believers, Christians are the professors. What are we professing? The grace of God. Because you can actually read in Psalm chapter 8, you actually looked at it and they go, what is man that you were mindful of him? Why do you, you created all of this, God? Look at what you did with the stars and look what you did with the planets. Wow, and all of a sudden, on this little globe called planet Earth, you made man out of dust. Why are you spending so much time with this guy, Adam? Why, why, why? What is it? Because God had so much love, so much grace, he wanted to reveal and start a family with. And this is what we're a part of. Now, Jesus changed everything. John chapter 1, verse 17 again. Familiar verse. We've read this the last three weeks. But for the law was given through Moses. And again, what is the law? It's an if you covenant. It's based on if you obey, then God can. If you don't, God won't. Correct? We're all on the same page on that? So that law came through Moses, a servant, But now grace and truth came through the Son, Jesus Christ. So if you look at this, Jesus birthed grace, and grace gives birth now to truth. So if you're wanting to know how do I live in the truth, I live by the grace of God. Well, what's grace? That's why you can never even put a proper terminology or properly even study it to its extent, because grace is not just a topic. Grace is a man, and his name is Jesus. And we get a glimpse of him constantly through the manifold, or even God said, the manifold wisdom of God is made up even in his grace. There is so much of this stuff that you could talk about. You could never exhaust grace. There's grace by which we are saved. There's grace by how we live in this perverse world. There's grace by which we serve. There is grace after grace after grace after grace after grace. And in a million years from now, guess what? There's a whole nother curtain load behind there going, there's more grace. And you go, wow, Again, we talked about this last week jokingly, but in 2 million years from now, 10 million years from now, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be doing this. 
saying, oh, it's going to be like eternity in heaven. Like, think about that. Eternity. Never ending. At some point, Lord, am I going to be kind of bored up there? Yeah, but what in like 50 billion years from now? We'll still be going. Why? Because the manifold grace of God is so big. <laughs> okay. Oh, so let's get into this. So what is grace? Trying to define it as quickly and briefly as I can. Grace is God's provision for what he creates. It's his provision for what he creates. So God, the creator, has determined that no matter or everything that he creates, he also takes care of. A prime example would be the plant life, the kingdom, and the animal kingdom. What do the plants and the animals need? Well, I guess it's kind of different. You know, the plants, they need soil. I only learned this from my mom because I don't plant or garden. That's the proper word. <laughs> I don't do those things. And she, there's a garden. There's, there's soil. There's a sunshine. There's rain. All of that helps these plants grow. Well, the animal kingdom, what do you got? You need fur. There's food, right? There's, you know, different habitations. There's all these things. So you can see that these kingdoms rely completely on God. Well, the same way for us, the same is true for us as mankind, that grace has provided a way of total freedom and deliverance from everything that got messed up in the garden. Everything Adam did through his sin, everything Satan brought in through Adam's disobedience, grace didn't just reverse it and kind of match up to it. Grace superabounded that no matter what issue you may be facing. And listen, we all got issues. Anybody in here that doesn't have an issue? Nobody raised their hand. Perfect. We're in the great place then together. We all got issues. And so what does that mean? Okay, well, we live on this life. But the good news is, is the grace of God has been provided for you and I to make a way out that you don't have to live stuck with whatever it is, whether it's pain in your body, whether it's an addiction, whether it's a, you know, not even just all those intense things. It could just very well be you're grumpy. Anybody ever meet somebody just grumpy? Did you know that's just as bad? People kind of go, oh, well, you know, they got fornicators, we got alcoholics, we got da-da-da-da-da, and they list it off. And yet we got a whole bunch of just grumpy people walking around. And who are you mad at? Why are you so mad? Well, the political realm. Well, man, are you a believer? Yeah. Change your attitude. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. Not when the government's doing what you want. Look what God did. Ah, look up, be impressed. And say, you know, God will deliver you from grumpiness. I was in a meeting one time, the lady called up grumpy old men. And I was like, is this for real? Yeah. So you saw a whole lineup of grumpy old guys come up and the Lord just wanted to reveal to them his love for them and totally just set them free out of grumpiness. Everybody's got issues. So no matter what's the purpose of all that is that we need him. We need to rely on him no matter what. The same way the plants rely on what God provides for them, the same way you and I need him, not just when things go bad, but in everyday life. I need him. God loves to be needed. And that's our role. We are the limited. He is the unlimited. So it's crazy for you and I to think that I can do this life on my own. I can figure it out. I can change my own behavior, my own willpower. I can get out of this mess if I just try a little bit harder. Wrong. You need a savior. You need someone to rely on every day. Anybody wake up once in a while a little moody? Okay, so I, and thank you so much. One, yeah, okay, two, I see three hands. The rest of you, that'd be great to live with. Wonderful. Well, there's times I wake up a little moody. So what do I got to do? Lord, what, what did you say, wife? So, 
She's preaching over here to me a little bit. So what, come on now, what did you say? I got, oh, you got to dance to your attitude changes. Yeah, that's very true. So she'll just say, Joel, dance. Start. But God will help you, and that's why the Spirit of God is inside of you, to change us. All right. Moving right along. Now look at this in Psalm 130, verse 7. It says, O Israel, keep hoping, keep trusting, and keep waiting on the Lord, for he is tenderhearted, he's kind, and he's forgiving. He has a thousand ways to set you free. <laughs> so God is unlimited. So don't limit him. <laughs> okay. Now, the next thing on grace. Grace is, the first one we said is grace is God's provision for his creation. Secondly, now is grace is God's unlimited love directed at me without restrictions. Now, at one point, that means that there were restrictions because of sin and the wages of sin equal death. So God was limited by his, or to expose or to expand his grace towards us because of our sinful nature. But now Jesus came and he satisfied the justice of God through his sacrifice. So now God could declare, I am satisfied. So not only, listen, we talk a lot about the cross, how it benefited us, and thank God, we will know no end to how amazing that cross was for us. But it didn't just stop there, it also satisfied the Father. God needed the cross just as much as you did. Why? Because his love was limited because of our condition. So now God could rightfully and justfully say, I am satisfied. The justice has been met. And what happened? That, that veil torn from top to bottom. The presence of God left. And what happened? The father went, let me at him. Not with this, I can't wait to whoop you, boy. If you do this wrong, I'm going to smack you. No, I can't wait to love him because all that anger, all that, you know, the punishment for our sin was poured out all on Jesus. That's why the cross was so disgusting. Isaiah got a glimpse of it. He said his face was so marred, you couldn't even recognize that he was a human being anymore. Why? That was the penalty for our sin. So that's why we go, God, thank you for that. So now it's all went on Jesus. Jesus died with our sin nature, but he rose again for our justification or our right standing before God. And now God goes, I can't wait to show you my love in all of its fullness. Now he's not limited by it. So we go, well, God, you that person messed up. Well, God can't love. No, no, no. He's able to love you despite your screwed upness. <laughs> Otherwise it wouldn't be grace. You'd have to work for it. You try to earn it. But because God has already satisfied it, he's able to love you and I without restrictions. There is nothing holding God back from loving you. But you don't know what I did. There is nothing able to stop the love of God from coming all over you and changing everything in your life. He will meet you where you're at. And because of his love, he will now grow you. He'll expand you to be who he, he'll, sorry, to be who he, uh, 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 you get that? Okay. To be who you are always called to be. There it is. Don't ask me to say that again. Just rewatch the clip because I'm not going there again. All right. <laughs> so now in this grace, I'm learning to live a life totally dependent on God's love, not just when bad things happen, but throughout my days. 
So I'm learning, I'm practicing this for myself. I would go, dear Lord Jesus, I want to thank you so much that because of the sacrifice of Jesus, I now have been given right standing before you as if I've never done anything wrong. And I do that over and over and over. Why? It's also for mind renewal. But that's my place because of what Jesus did. I don't just wait till I'm feeling gloomy. I'm going to start saying that every single day. Dear Lord Jesus, I want to thank you so much because of your sacrifice. I am now healed and whole because of the stripes you took on your, on your body. Thank you for that. And what am I doing? I'm acknowledging and making sure that I'm rooting and establishing my heart in what grace has already done. I don't have to earn my healing. It's already been provided. So what do I need to do? I need to renew my mind to start seeing what grace has already done. Okay. So I say, I am fiercely loved by my father. Now, let's go to the next part here. Now to accept and to participate in all that grace has gotten for us, faith is required. So all this grace is hanging there. I mean, even grace for salvation. Did you know the whole entire earth, there is grace on this entire planet for salvation. He's already purchased salvation for every human being. Does that mean everybody's going to heaven? No, it has to be received. It doesn't just come on you and go, well, that guy saved that guy. Well, no, 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 no. You have to receive what grace has done. And you only do that by faith. Now you see a great example of that. Let me read this to you in Romans chapter four. But I encourage you to read the story of Abraham because Abraham is called our father of faith. So you really see how father Abraham, how he operated and lived by faith. It's powerful. I mean, the man hearing that he's going to be a dad, 75 years old, doesn't come till he's 99. He believed God for a while and he saw it come to pass. That's the guy that I want to follow after. Anybody else? You know, nothing moved him. Not his age. Not looking at Sarah going, hmm. Huh. But not just before I, not just saying she's old. Listen, you know what faith did for grandma, for Sarah? <laughs> Pharaoh wanted her. What did faith, look what faith did for grandma. Woo, she's good looking. Pharaoh wanted her. That's a pretty good thing. I'll leave that with you. Okay. But in Romans chapter four, verse 13, it says, God promised Abraham and... Who's his descendants? Us. Okay. That they would have an heir who would reign over the world. This royal promise was not fulfilled because Abraham kept the law. Do you know why? There was no law. Okay. So, but through the righteousness that was transferred by faith. Say this would be righteousness was transferred by faith or by believing. Okay, verse 14, for if keeping the law earns the inheritance, then faith is robbed of its power and the promise becomes useless. It's no longer a promise anymore. It's now by your works and effort. Verse 15, for the law, it provokes punishment and where no law exists, there cannot be a violation of the law, right? Okay, verse 16, The promise depends on faith. Let's say that together. The promise depends on faith. Again, the promise depends on faith. Why? So that it can be experienced as a grace gift. God wants this. Everything grace is provided. It's a gift to you and I, not something that you earned. And if you read back at Romans chapter four earlier on, I believe verse four, it actually reveals if anybody works uh, for their earnings. It's no longer a gift. It's actually earned them. 
So God doesn't want anything about your salvation, anything like that at all to be done by your earning. Why? So then you can boast and say, look what I did. God doesn't want any of that at all because he ain't sharing his glory with anybody. Okay? So, and now it extends to all the descendants of Abraham. This promise is not only meant for those who obey the law, but also for those who enter into the faith of Abraham, the father of us all. That's why the scripture means when it says, I have made you the father of many nations. Now, before we read on, I want you to notice some of these believing words that we're going to highlight. Faith, belief, expectation. Okay, just watch some of these words, okay? But first, I want you to see how God talks. I have made you the father of many nations. How does God speak? God speaks as if it's already a done deal. That's his language. That's the language of grace. Already it's being fulfilled. So a lot of times where Christians get hung up going, but I don't see it. That's irrelevant. Grace has provided. Learn to speak the grace faith lingo because grace always starts and says what the finished work is. Not you will get healed one day. That's why the Bible says by his stripes you are healed. But I don't feel it. He's not talking to you from a feeling, emotional realm. He's talking to you from grace and what grace has already provided. It's a done, finished deal. So faith goes and believes what the finished work is. Faith isn't for, God, I just need something to come to me. Faith now, the faith that God gave me, is to go and agree with what's already been done. So your faith actually even being used for things that I need is a waste of time. Oh God, I need, I need, I need. I'm going to use my faith for this. I'm going to use my faith for that. It's, that's the won't work. I've tried that many, many times. So what do I need to do? My faith is now used for what's already been accomplished through Jesus and his grace. I am healed. That's faith agreeing with grace. So just agree with him. God, I just need healing. So would you please heal? Coming from the wrong angle. It's a done deal. So I go, grace has already said, you are healed. Faith's response is, thank you, I take it. But I don't feel, forget about it. Feelings have nothing to do with this equation. Now look here what Abraham did, our father again. He is our example and father, for in God's presence he... Don't just read over these words and kind of go, oh, he believed God. This is huge. This isn't just, you know, I believe, you know, head knowledge. He believed it with everything he had on the inside of him. I believe this. It caused him to action. That's faith. He believed that God can raise the dead and call into being things that don't even exist yet. That's what he believed. So it matters what you believe. Okay, continuing on. Against all odds. What were the odds? Sarah's age. My age. What people say. Natural way of having children. She couldn't have a baby when she was 20. Why think now when she's 90? Against all these odds, when it looked hopeless, Abraham... Paul, let's say it with a little bit more force rather than, yeah, believed. He believed. Come on again. He believed. He believed the promise and expected God to fulfill it. Could you imagine just Abram walking around? Abram, you're too old. I believe God. Abram, you sound stupid. I believe and I expect God to do what he said. He may have looked stupid out there, but he knew in whom he had believed. So he said he took God at his word, and as a result, he became the father of many nations. Here we are. Verse uh, 19. God's declaration over him came to pass. Your descendants will be so many that, you, uh, that they will be impossible to count. 
in spite of being nearly 100 years old, when the promise of having a son was made, his faith, his belief was so strong that it could not be undermined by the fact that he and Sarah were incapable of conceiving a child. Verse 20, he never stopped believing God's promise. For he was made strong in his faith to father a child. What is strong faith then? I keep my faith out there. I believe it. It's a it's, it's done deal. It's taken care of. That's strong faith. And because he was mighty in faith and convinced that God had all the power needed to fulfill his promise, Abraham glorified God. So what glorifies God? You hold on to that promise that grace has spoken. Regardless of what it looks like out here, regardless of what they say out here, we keep our eyes fixed and focused on the promise of what Jesus has done, of what he said. That gives God glory. Not you, I just, you know, God hasn't come through yet. I'm just going to hang on to the sickness for another 10 years. That doesn't glorify him, but I still love God. Well, love God and get your healing. It's, It's stupid. It's religion. So what do we do? We aggressively believe. The church needs some grit back. We just kind of flippantly, oh, I believe. And well, if it doesn't happen, well, I guess, you know, God just, he's in his timing or, you know, if it's God's will, stop it. It's his will. Believe and hold on regardless of what they say. This is where we need a little bit more, you know, put up your big boy pants and start believing something. I'm holding on to what he said and not be up and down. Well, you know, I feel like this. It must be great. I feel so down. It must be like this. (sighs) All right, now moving on. The promise is received by faith. Say that again with me. The promise is received by faith. What do you need right now? What is the need in your natural life right now? The promise, the grace is received by faith. That's your answer right there. The promise is received by faith. Okay, I'll get into this a little bit more. Ephesians 2, let's look here again one more time. This is how God initiated this whole conversation with us. It says, for by grace you have been saved by faith. This is a different translation again. So it was only through this wonderful grace that we believed in him. This is the New Living Bible. It says, for by grace you have been saved by faith. Nothing you did could ever earn this salvation, for it was the love gift from God that brought us to Christ. So no one will ever be able to boast, for salvation is never a reward for good works or human striving. Now, again, that word salvation is the word sozo or soteria, and that's where we get a lot of different Greek words in our English word, is deliverance, healing, protection, safety, perseverance, and wholeness. Being whole, spirit, soul, body. It all comes by grace, but it's received how? Through faith. So there is always a God side and there's always a man side. What a lot of times believers do, we leave it all up to God, the, not only the, the miracle to take place, but we're expecting God just to drop it on us without us doing anything. That's ludicrous. And in fact, if you trace that back further, then you would have the mindset that everybody's saved on this planet. But that's not the case. 
The Bible clearly tells us there's two families. What's the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness? How did we transfer over? By our believing and embracing what Jesus did on the cross. That's what caused you to switch families. Now, the same way that caused you to switch families, how do I move now from sickness to healthy? I have got to hear the word of grace. I believe it and I just simply receive. Lord, I believe that I receive this. Not of works on yourself because it is a gift from God. It's the same way. So let's keep it simple, okay? Now, faith takes hold of what grace has already provided. So now it matters what I believe because under grace, my work as a New Testament believer is to believe. Come on, let's say this together. What's my work in the New Testament? Is to believe. Come on again. My work is to believe. Again, believe, 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 believe. That is my work. We sometimes have got it backwards where we're trying to live right to get something from God. See, right believing equals right living. So, so many times in the Christian world and where religion step in is that you have to look or behave or act a certain way. Then you have access to God. Then you have access to what grace has provided. That is insane. You read that in Romans chapter five as well, that who did Christ die for? He died for the ungodly. Did anybody qualify for that? Woo, I sure did. So what happened? By embracing what Jesus did, I've been transferred over. But again, let's go back to this here for a sec. Right believing equals right living. So let's just bring this out here a little bit. But when a problem arises or a situation comes, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Okay, what do I got to do to get out of this? Or... Okay, I'm going to spend extra time confessing the word, you know, so that, you know, this miracle will happen in my life. Anybody ever done that? Okay, again, I feel real lonely up here. I've, I've, I'm going to get up really early and I'm going to read more. I'm going to, I'm going to pray so hard, like so, so hard. And this is it. I'm, I'm, I'm done with this type of living. I'm, I'm done. That's it. This is it. And you do it for about two or three days because your willpower is intact, but willpower only lasts so long. And then after those two or three days, you start sleeping in again a little bit and go, ah, it's just not working. And what happens, frustration sets in because I had an expectation that if I did something, then God would do something. It doesn't work that way. You know what that is? Religion. And God is done with that. He put it on a shelf. So now what is the first thing that I need to do? I need to check up, first of all, what do I believe? This is my work. What do I believe? Because again, if you go back and you start asking some of these questions, I'm going to just confess more. Is there anything wrong with confession? No, I do it regularly. I need it. That's my faith is activated by my confession. So of course I'm going to keep saying, but if I keep tracing it back, I keep bringing it back that why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Okay, I got to confess more. I got to read more. I got to pray more. I got to say more. I'm going to get a hundred different people to pray for me because surely if 100 people are praying, then God will hear me and I'll get my prayer answered. If you trace all of that back and uncover it for what it is, it's actually a prayer undergirded by fear. I don't know if this is actually going to happen. I really would like it to. I really am just wishing that this would just take place in my life. And you wonder all of a sudden after all this time, that's why it hasn't been answered. And you're going, I actually knew it wasn't going to take place. If you peel all that back, you actually knew deep down, you go, I kind of knew this. Why? Because your believing is off. And God gets so much blame. Where are you, God? Why didn't you? He's going, hey, check up on the believing. Because he said all things are possible to him who believes. 
Not all things are possible when you get 100 Facebook friends praying about something. Sending happy thoughts. What, what is that? What a useless combat that is. Sending good vibes your way. Stop it. You keep your own vibes. I don't want your vibe. Don't touch me with your vibe. <laughs> is there anything wrong with praying? No, but if it's unbelief, I don't want people praying for me if it's filled with unbelief. Are you kidding me? I need people that will stand and believe the word with me. Not go, well, God, if it's your will, hopefully he doesn't die from this, but I'm sure he'll be okay. I don't want that. And neither should you. The more prayer doesn't mean more power. <laughs> Where is power released? How's my believing? So check up on what I'm believing. So again, we got to look at this verse again, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 18. He says, God swore an oath that they would never enter into his calming place of rest, all because they disobeyed him. Now look at verse 19. It is clear that they could never enter into their inheritance because they wrapped their hearts in unbelief. So again, to the, what God, how God perceives it, disobedience in God's eyes is unbelief. Obedience in God's eyes is belief. So again, I don't know if you've done this, but going throughout the New Testament, every time you see the word obey, change it and put the word belief in it. Because Jesus said this, John 6, 24, that this is the work that the Father wants from you, to believe in the one he has sent. This is my work. Anything added to that is not necessary. In fact, it'll subtract from your belief. Okay. Now, so far we've established grace is God's position towards his children. My faith or my belief now is how I receive what grace has already provided for me. Now, before we go any further, I want to just establish this, is that now we need to take a moment here and establish how our belief is fueled. How is our believing fueled in him? Because sometimes you, whatever background you may come from, it may be going, I want to believe him. It's a little bit hard for me to, to just trust God with everything in my life. Okay, well, let's get that sorted. Because our belief, again, is not just believe him, believe him, believe him. It's fueled by something. And what's it fueled by? How much you are loved by him. That causes my belief to go, oh, okay. I can trust you for this because I know how much you love me. Okay. When I know, and again, that word is not just head knowledge, when it's experiential. That word know is I've experienced how much God loves me. It's easy for me to reach out my hand in faith and simply receive what grace has made available for me. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6. I love this because, again, what does religion say? Religion asks, how much do you love God? And is there anything wrong with loving God? No, but he started it. He started it. So many times I've heard so many messages, do you love God? And if you love God, you do this for him. And what did it do? It just creates this, okay, yeah, I, I, I love you, God. And then all of a sudden when you don't fulfill a mandate or you don't fulfill something that's required of you, what happens? You go into this, God, I'm, man, I, I messed up and I failed for you again. This New Testament was never had you in the equation at all. It's all based on how much he loves you. That's how this New Testament life is. So in Galatians 5, 6, it says, when you're, placed, when you're placed into the anointed one and joined to him, circumcision and religious obligations can benefit you nothing. And aren't you glad that right after the service, you know, Julian's not saying, hey, all the men, we're going to have a circumcision party out here. Come out to the shed that's in the back here, and we got a couple of knives, and we'll, we'll hook you up. 
Anybody thankful for that this morning? I mean, how many times you read in the Bible when Abraham had to circumcise, that was an act, this, you know, the revealing of the covenant. He had to do that with everybody. I mean, I believe, I think Ishmael was in that. I mean, he's a 14 year old kid. Imagine pinning down a 14 year old. Hmm. Hmm. I, I need some good vibes coming my way right about now. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so, just so we're clear, we are not doing that after the service. Okay. <clears throat> so, all those religious obligations, they benefit you nothing. Look at this. All that matters now, say it, all that matters now is living in the faith that is activated and brought to perfection by love. Now, if you do more research, it's not even how much I love God. It's first in understanding how much I am loved by God. Oh, man. The New Testament relationship with God doesn't begin with how much I love God. It begins with knowing and experience his love for me. This seems to be where a lot of times I know in my own life I've missed it. I'm trying to get God to demonstrate his love to me. I'm trying to get something from him. So I'm going to do, I'm going to give, I'm going to, of my time, I'm going to serve. I'm going to do everything that I possibly can to get God to move on my behalf for something. Wrong motive. So instead now, I have to be fueled by his love for me. And this, listen, this will, this will turn your life and you're going, I want to be, you know, I want to advance the kingdom of God. I want to be involved in, you know, serving the local church. That's great. We need that. That's how God designed it. But guess what is fueled by how much he loves you. So then what happens is that when nobody notices the work that you're doing, it's only for his eyes. You don't get offended. Are you doing this as unto the Lord? Or are you doing it as unto men? That's a lot of times where the problem is and people get offended. Well, you didn't notice. Are you kidding me? You're doing it for the, are you doing it for to be noticed? Then what a waste that is because people will disappoint every single time. But if you do it as unto the Lord, guess what? He's the one that rewards. He's the one that promotes people anyway. <laughs> okay. Thank you for that, Joel. Yeah, that was great. Great point, Joel. That's such a man. Thank you, Lord. That's so good. Okay. Now in Matthew chapter eight, let's turn here for a moment. I want to look at this because there's a gentleman here that we're going to read about, the, the, the man with leprosy. And let's just read it first. It says, after Jesus came down from the teaching on the hillside, the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, massive crowds began following him. Verse 2, suddenly a leper walked up to Jesus and threw himself down before him in worship and said, Lord, you have the power to heal me, dot, 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 if you really want to. And that's where a lot of people I find have their issues is if you want to. Lord, I know you're able to deliver me from this if you want to, though. Jesus reached out his hand, touched the leper and said, of course, I want to heal you. Or in your situation, of course, I want to be healed. And instantly, all signs of leprosy disappeared. Now you read this in Mark's account, Mark chapter one, it actually says Jesus moved with compassion, touched the leper and said, I will. So compassion moved him. But I want to just show this a, a few things, noticing this a little bit as I'm spending some time thinking on this story. In Jesus's days, those with leprosy, they were isolated because of the law of Moses. They were conscious of how unclean they were. So their natural response was to withdraw and to hide. And if you guys go up there again for a sec, 
keep uh, Mark, or sorry, Matthew chapter one and verse two. If you just look at this, suddenly a leper walked up to him. What caused this leprous man to all of a sudden appear before Jesus? Because what did they do? They were conscious that they were unclean. In fact, they were required to yell out and say, unclean, unclean, unclean. So something stirred up in this man to all of a sudden leave the rock that he was hiding under and now appear before Jesus and go, I know you're able to if you want to. What was it? He heard something. And again, what, ha- what is leading up to this is Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, the Sermon on the Mount. So what did this man hear? He heard Jesus' words in Ma- Matthew chapter 6. Do not worry about your everyday life. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. Your heavenly Father feeds them. I believe this man's heart was stirred up within him as he continued hearing, and why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies. They don't work for their clothing. And since God cares so much for the wildflowers that are here today and burn tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. What had happened? The man heard for the first time that God desires to be a loving father and take care of your every need. Hearing these words of Jesus about a loving father caused this leper to come out of his hiding and to seek the Lord for his miracle. Jesus' words changed his mind from seeing a God who ostracized and condemned unclean people to seeing a God who loved them no matter their condition. Now, this change of mind lit his faith and put courage in his heart to approach Jesus and receive his miracle that he so desperately wanted. Now again, under the law, unclean people had to shout, unclean. Why? Because again, under the law, the unclean make the clean unclean. Under grace, Jesus makes the unclean clean. It's grace. Now, so I want to ask you, are you hiding today? Is there anything, any addiction, a past failure in your marriage or a business that has caused you to hide away from God, to hide from his church, to hide from even socializing or connecting with other people again because of past mistakes? God, I believe today, whatever it is that you feel has disqualified you or set you apart or moved you away, I believe the love of God is calling you back in is bringing you back in through his love to reveal to you his grace that no matter what the need may be, his grace is able to wash it clean, to cover over it so that you can enjoy your life again. What did Adam and Eve do the moment they heard the father was walking in the garden after they sinned? They hid in shame, in guilt, in condemnation. Not for us anymore. And religion and and Satan himself will just love you to be bound up in that religion where you live this hiding lifestyle because, oh man, if anybody finds out what's going on, it's not about what anybody else finds out. Your sin is not their issue. Your mistakes is not about you and other people. Yeah, of course, if you've affected and hurt somebody else, yeah, you have to make amends, make that right. But listen, sin has been dealt with by Jesus. It's between you and him now. 
So get that sorted between you and him, and the result will be it'll get worked out in the natural. But so many times Christians are hiding because they don't want people to see, I have to put my mask on. I got to put my mask on from hurts, from whatever it is that it may be going on. God wants you to lift that thing off because it's time for you to come home and experience the real joy of a relationship with him. We're hiding and hiding. And meanwhile, the world is looking for the authenticity of the church. We think we have it all together. Are you kidding me? But you know what does? Is that grace has made a way for me to live a clean, pure life before my God. He's helped me. So no matter where you're at, don't just, I don't want anybody. No, come, come. The love of God is pulling on you. We need you. Okay. A few more verses. Again, faith works by knowing how loved I am by almighty God. That's how it works. First John chapter four. Turn here for a moment with me. This is love. Say with me. This is love. This is love. The world's trying to make definitions for it. Love is this. Wrong. Love is that. Wrong. Whatever that the world tries to say or define what love is, guarantee you it's wrong. This is love. Show the little hashtag love wins. Unless it says 1 John 4.10, it's trash. Because this is it. This is love. He loved us long before we loved him who started it he started it what did i do i respond to what he started it was his love not ours well how much do you love god prove it that's out of the equation i'm going to prove my love for him based on how much i've experienced his love that's what changes everything that's why we could be friendly to other people because I've experienced it firsthand for myself. Even the, even the mean ones. How can you demonstrate love? It's because he loves me. He said he proved it by sending his son to be the pleasing sacrificial offering to take away our sin. This is love. And you come down a little bit. 1 John four eighteen. now, he says this. For such love has no fear. Because perfect love, it expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. So if I'm fearful in any kind of area of my life, it reveals that I have not experienced his love. Now, what is the ultimate fear? We kind of touched on it a little earlier. Ultimate fear is that what God has promised through his grace will not happen in my life. That's the ultimate fear, is that what grace has said, what grace has promised, I don't know if this is actually going to happen in my life. And so I live off of fear in this. For example, by his stripes you were healed. Why? Oh man, I want to believe that, but I've had this condition for 38 years. Ugh. See, some people just actually like the comfort that they're living in. This, I, this is manageable. I can live in manageable pain. I can live with manageable issues. I mean, it's, as long as it's not crazy, I can, I can manage it. That's the problem. You can manage it when you have a deliverer who wants to set you free from it. See, and not only that, but people, sort of, sadly, a lot of the pharmaceutical you know, things out there, they want to keep you in this maintaining state. Where basically, it's like Acts chapter 3. They continually brought this man to the gate called Beautiful. 
People carried him there. People will constantly carry you to your position of constant need. When you have a father who loves you so much that he wants you free from all the distractions, the hurt, the worry, the pain in this life, but you have to let him in. The uncomfortable thing that you may be thinking is, I have to now expose my heart to the Lord. Do it. It's absolutely worth it. Why? It's freedom. Come on, say it with me. Freedom. Freedom. This is what he wants. And we can sing about it all day long. You are my deliverer. You are my promised light. And it all sounds really good. It sounds churchy. But when it becomes real, it's not just, you are my deliverer. Yeah, that's a nice song. It actually becomes, you are my deliverer. You are my promised land. You are the freedom that I'm living in. It becomes so much more than just a cute song. It becomes a reality. But here's the scary thing for you. You may have to cross that threshold. Is that knowing this, is that a father, once you've exposed yourself, he loves you. And he'll go, thank you for bringing that to me. Now, guess what? Let me show you by my grace what I've already provided for you. And now you need to change the way you think regarding this, that, or the other. Okay, Lord, okay, I can do that. And again, it's through his grace. We don't try doing this on our own. It's all by through him. It all comes by him. Last verse. Go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. Again, my faith is fueled by how much the Father loves me. For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus. Say this with me. Through my union with Jesus with Jesus, not through my willpower, not through how good I am, not through my confessions, through my reading the word, through what I'm able to do, through my union with Jesus, the anointed one, so that his tremendous love that cascades over us will glorify his grace. Now look at this part. For the same love he has for his beloved one, Jesus, he has for us. And this unfolding plan gives him great pleasure. Guess what, gets, get, guess what gets God psyched up? Is when he's able to love you the same way he loves Jesus. Nothing holding him back. Nothing restrained. Did you know God's will is that every prayer be answered? That's his will. He wants you totally living this free life. So what does it take? I have to come out of hiding like this leper. I, I just, just picture this, this leper man here again for a moment. Hiding under the rocks that maybe on that, on that hill, there's just, you know, all this big grass. I'm just kind of picturing what I would see it. Just a ton of grass everywhere. People are all over. And there's this guy with leprosy hiding under a rock on the other side of this mountain. And because of how, you know, the, the climate or how the natural surroundings were, Jesus is preaching from this mountain. And this man is able, in his hiding, he's able to hear, the father wants to be a dad to you. He wants to look after every need that you have. He wants to care for everything you got. Now, what's he hearing? Oh, man, under the law, I have to keep yelling unclean. When I, I hear this, I hear, a, I hear a different God than the one I hear these Pharisees yell at me about. Every time a Pharisee comes near me, they just, man, get, get away from me. And so he has to constantly, this is his life. Oh, yes, sir, unclean, unclean, unclean. Never been touched before never been touched and all of a sudden he if if you're saying this is true lord i know you're willing if you want to 
And Jesus moved with compassion. I love these words, touched him. And imagine what this touch did in this man's life. <gasps> I haven't been touched in years. For otherwise I could get stoned. I could get put away again. Isolation. What did Jesus do? Touched him. He says, I will be made whole. Instantly, the leprosy left him. What do you think this man's life turned into afterwards? Jesus actually said, he sternly warned him. Don't, don't go tell everybody now. But he couldn't help it. He couldn't help it. And we're trying to get people. Man, bring people to church. Tell them about Jesus. Do what he did. When grace touches your life, you can't shut up about it. I once was dirty. I once was unclean. But now through grace, Jesus cleaned me up. This is where I was. Look where I am now. Woo, I'm not where I'm supposed to be, but I'm not where I was. This is what grace is able to do. So this morning, I want to encourage you, come out. Come out of that hiding. Come out of that shame or that guilt because of whatever it is. It's not worth it because grace has so much in store for you and I. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Sir, we ask you right now, Father, wherever we may be at, your grace is abounding toward us. And Father, we receive this grace in the mighty name of Jesus.